This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal, and I'm Jess Nam. And this is Jamal Dijani. Uh, Jamal, we have a really great show today. We're going to be covering a lot of information. You know, part of Arab Talk is, in fact, to um, do public service announcements and to keep our Arab Talk community up to date on what the WHO officially announced as a global pandemic of the COVID-19 virus. It is at the stage now that it is expanding and growing at such a rate that it is a worldwide pandemic. The NBA has canceled the season indefinitely. The NHL has canceled the season indefinitely. The NCAA March Madness Tournament, just in the last 20 minutes, was announced to be canceled. City and state of uh, San Francisco, I'm sorry, city and county of San Francisco has basically banned any public gatherings greater than 1,000 people. We are in the midst of a worldwide crisis. But before we talk about the update, Jamal, I do have some good news. Okay, well, I was waiting for this. Yeah, there's good news. We didn't even expect weeks ago to be talking about this subject two shows in a row. No, but uh, we're going to be talking about this in terms of how it relates to the um, political scene, how it relates to the Middle East. The good news is yesterday Donald Trump announced that he's putting Jared Kushner basically in charge of the COVID virus team. And so my statement to anybody who's listening that is worried about the COVID-19 epidemic pandemic, that if Jared Kushner does to Middle East peace, does to the COVID virus what he did to Middle East peace, the entire world is in jeopardy of grave risk of uh, catastrophic collapse. It is the most outrageous, ignorant, worst decision to put someone with absolutely no medical knowledge, no medical training, no public health training, no public health knowledge. Jared Kushner has demonstrated himself to be a complete incompetent across the spectrum of many areas, including Middle East peace. And now Donald Trump has decided to put Jared Kushner as part of the core leadership committee to handle this worldwide epidemic. All I can say, Jamal, is God help us all. Uh, and, and, And the reason I'm saying this is that every time Donald Trump opens his mouth, the stock market collapses. Every time Donald Trump says, don't worry, uh, economic indicators are falling. So whatever Donald Trump and Jared Kushner believe they're doing to basically misrepresent and blatantly lie about what's happening with the virus, people don't believe it. And the reason people don't believe it is because they have no, absolutely no confidence whatsoever. Okay. So let's get serious now. And let's go uh, to the main question, uh, which I posed. Uh, is it time to panic? Well, I... Because, I don't yes, know if that's we, know, the we know about Jared Kushner, and I, I know I, even, the, you know, I mean, just the appointment of, of Mike Pence, who really doesn't believe in science, to be heading the whole thing is a problem by itself. And then the delays by Donald Trump uh, admitting that we have an issue saying, don't worry. So now we're heading now in a very serious week. Right. We uh, we are seeing the multiplying effect. Right. You know, going, you know, from Donald Trump initially coming and saying, oh, we have less than 27 people infected in the United States. The numbers now are over a thousand. Easily. Easily. This is at least as far as how many people we know about. And then, you know, we're seeing extreme measures being taken. Uh, the town of New Rochelle in New York uh, is under quarantine for about a mile uh, radius. Uh, we have now a travel ban affecting all of Europe except of the UK. Right. And we still have the travel basically ban on China. Right. And yet, we haven't seen the virus, the coronavirus, slowing down in the United States. So, so are we underestimating the yeah the but, impact of it? Yeah, I'm gonna and 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 we we are just we are seeing on the financial market a panic. Yeah, I mean I can't explain it any other way. 
It is a panic. You and I were commenting today, you know, this is not a plug to our favorite coffee place, Pete's Coffee, uh, before we come to the show. And no one was there. No one was there. Yeah. We usually have a problem finding a table to sit and talk about our show. And we not only did we find many tables, we found several parking spots to choose from. Which never happens. Which never happens because we broadcast live out of the studio at 2, uh, 2 p.m. So we meet around noontime, which is the peak hour. The place was empty. So this is what, these are the telltale signs, Jess, of, of a panic. Well, what I would tell people is don't panic, but be smart. And um, if you panic, you'll end up making decisions that are not in your best interests um, medically or financially or personally or socially or professionally. This is not a time for panic. This is a time for reason. This is a time for science, and that's why what, what I'm going to do now, Jamal, I'm going to summarize for our listeners the most up-to-date information that we have about the coronavirus or COVID-19 or what they call the novel coronavirus. And the reason they call it the novel coronavirus, Jamal, is because we've never, it's novel because we've never seen anything like it before. Because Esti there, is, there is a common coronavirus that commonly uh, circulate among humans. That's the common. Uh, this is the novel. That causes mild illness yeah, like the common cold. This is not it. Exactly. Okay. So let's break it down. The bad news. The bad news is that the virus is spreading rapidly, and it's spreading more rapidly than we anticipated. As of about a week ago, maybe we had 13, 14 states who reported the coronavirus as of today, I think we're up to 45 states who have reported cases of the coronavirus. The hardest hit state is Washington state. 25 plus people have died already in Washington state. The number may be, may be even greater than that as of the time we're speaking. The spread is rapid. It's, um, it looks like, uh, according to modeling that we know, and I'm not saying this to panic people, and. I said last week, Jamal, this is going to be much worse than any of us any ever thought. But some people are estimating, looking at the modeling right now, that upwards of 150 million Americans could eventually get the coronavirus. You have an entire country, Italy, that is on lockdown. You have schools. You have places of worship. You have universities here in the Bay Area. Most universities and colleges are closed. They're going to, you know, settings where they're doing tele-education, tele, tele you know, remote education. People are in dorms at San Francisco State. We're told to go home. So the situation is bad. Secondly, here's what we know about the, uh, the symptoms of the coronavirus disease. It's not like the flu. It's not like a cold. It's not like allergies. The top symptoms, this is what you should be looking for. 90, no, 87% of people who have the coronavirus have a fever and 67% have a dry cough. So if you have a dry cough and if you have a fever combined with fatigue, those are the three main symptoms of the coronavirus that differentiate it from other illnesses. If you have those three symptoms, then you need to call your doctor. Do not go to the doctor's office. Do not walk in. You need to call. You need to alert people ahead of time before you walk in. A um, little piece of good news. The death rates in China appear, and I say appear because it's hard to trust the data, have declined over time. And one of the reasons, and this is where the United States and other Western countries are going to have to make some tough decisions, the reason that it's slowed down in China is because China did draconian measures by basically locking down entire cities um, to mitigate the spread of the virus. I, I don't know if the Trump administration is going to do the same thing. Older people are at greater risk, Jamal. Now, this is what I'm telling my patients. This is what I'm telling people. If you're over 70 years old, even if you're in good health. And they say also 60 now. Well, 60 if you have ill health. If you have some health conditions, if you have diabetes, if you have hypertension, if you've got other chronic health issues, 
uh, you should not be outside hanging out at uh, Trader Joe's, at Pete's. Uh, you should not be outside doing shopping. <laughs> we went outside. We, we were hanging out. Yeah, out that was feet. a mistake, actually. Um, but if you're over 70, even if you're in good health, you should not be outside. You should be at home, self-quarantine yourself. And I would say if you're young, I, I think that the public health decision in, in at least San Francisco, and I think this is a good decision across the board, do not go to any events where you're going to be in close proximity with other people with more than 500 or 1,000 people. You're just going to increase your risk. The bad news is this looks like the COVID virus is 10 to 20 times more lethal than the common flu. So to extrapolate, you know, it looks like 20,000 people have died from the flu in the United States this year. But larger numbers of people were exposed to the flu. But if the COVID virus is 10 to 20 times more deadly than the flu virus, then unfortunately, it looks like many, many, many more people could die. If you're in a nursing home, if you're in a skilled nursing facility, if you're in some sort of combined housing, in an apartment complex, in an SRO, you're going to be more at risk. So um, let me just reiterate again, we welcome everybody uh, listening to our show on KPO San Francisco 89.5 FM, and we welcome to welcome our viewers on Facebook Live who are actually tuning in from all over the world. I just want to remind everyone that you're not only listening to Jess and Jamal during this show, but you're also listening to Dr. Jess Ghanem, who is on staff at UCSF, which is one of the most prominent medical centers in not only in the United States, but in the entire world. So the information it's coming from UCSF. that just brings us, yeah. he brings us directly from the experts, uh, uh, infectious disease uh, uh, experts at UCSF. And as this has been developing, we've been updating our information from from last week, and then actually you were saying something very important last week, which you were talking about, that, that, that last week we don't know a lot, but it was the tip of the iceberg, and every day, every week that this is not taken seriously, it's gonna get worse. the multiplier effect is going to kind of take hold. It's a mathematical equation. It is. And, and you said something very disturbing, Jess. And, and again, I said, this is something to talk about it in a reasonable way without causing panic. But we were talking about a handful of people. We were talking about the hundreds. And you're saying we have the potential of having 150 million people infected in the United States. Yes. Now, this is a little, almost the, half the population of the United States. We have 330 million. So you're talking almost about one in two people will be infected yeah. if this is not handled correctly. Well, the re and the reason I, 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 I'm saying that, Jamal, is that it's based on modeling. It's based on information that we're getting from, you know, people who are scientists and epidemiologists and infectious disease experts from all over the world. We're looking at the spread in Italy, which is just devastating. It's beyond devastating. And the reason that Americans, I believe, were lulled into a false sense of security and denial came from the Trump administration, from Trump himself, who basically told people, it'll just go away. It's not going away. And the reason, in part, is because you, they're not testing enough people. And I fear that one of the reasons the test kits are not getting out to as many people as need them is that there's a fear that if a million or four million people get tested, we are going to find that the spread of the disease, as I anticipated, is probably much greater. The reason the numbers don't look so terrible yet is because we haven't tested enough people. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get back to this, and I want to get back to how Trump is handling the situation Do, and the team. Should we finish the, uh, inform the yeah, first? I, yeah, I, w I just want to add some of our uh, viewers' comments. Oh, okay. So just some information we have... Uh, 
Rami from uh, Australia saying that the Australian health minister forecasted 20% of the population to catch it out of a population of 25 million in Australia. We have 330 million right here in the United States. Yes. So that's one thing. The other thing is we have another comment here coming from Selma who's saying that why no one is talking about the possible cure if they are getting any close? That's a Selma. Let me just tell you, that's a very good question. Um, a cure is not the way we typically think about viral infections. We think about instead we vaccinate people. When you vaccinate people, you develop an immunity and then your body can fight the infection, the viral infection. But just like the flu, uh, uh, when you get a flu shot and you develop immunities, flu shots are not 100% effective. They have 80% effectiveness. They have 70 some years, sometimes less, sometimes more. The problem is that we don't have a, a COVID-19 flu shot yet. We don't have the equivalent to develop uh, a shot to develop antibodies. We're working on it. Donald Trump said it would be out in two weeks. That is scientifically delusional and impossible. The minimum time to provide for a safe you know, uh, vaccine for something like this is 12 to 18 months to do it in a safe way. We know that the vaccine, various vaccines are being tested. So that's the vaccine approach. If you develop very terrible symptoms, though, Selma, you can get treatment. And right now what they're doing is that uh, some very big pharmaceutical companies like Gilead and Pfizer, really, you know, these mega biotech companies are using antiretroviral medications, very similar to the medications that we use to treat HIV. And it looks some of those results to treat the symptoms, not to cure it, but to treat the symptoms of COVID-19 or the coronavirus are looking promising. So, you know, but we're talking about months and months and months of uh, work and effort just to get those things out there. They're in the exploratory or experimental phase. And so, Selma, this is why I'm concerned we shouldn't panic because the other thing that's important to realize is that if you are not in one of these high-risk groups, if you're not an older adult, if you don't have serious chronic health issues, if you're a millennial, if you're a Gen Xer and you're in good health, there's a chance you'll get infected with the virus and that you will have mild symptoms, require no treatment, and eventually get over it. Good. That's the good news. The bad news is it looks like even if you feel better, you could still be a carrier. That's one of the theories that's going so, on. So basically what you're saying, if you're young, uh, you don't have and you don't have any underlying illnesses. You don't have much to worry about. But then if you go visit your elderly parents or you visit your grandparents, you're putting them at risk because That's you right. are a carrier, right. even though you you yourself are fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's why I and, worry. And that's why I think it's already out there. It's already spread. That's why the nursing homes in Washington state are having such a catastrophic impact. Basically, people who don't think they're sick, who don't have any symptoms, can be carriers. So let's go now to the global impact. Well, I want to just say a few more things really okay. quick. Yeah, go ahead. The COVID-19 virus, Jamal, why it's so damaging and spreading so, lar or so fast is because it's more contagious. So viruses have various forms of contagion. Some flus are very contagious. Some are not as contagious. As it turns out, the COVID-19 virus is more contagious, which means that it can pass from one person to another quickly through the form of a droplet. If you sneeze, if you talk loudly like we do, little tiny spit, <laughs> micro spits, droplets come out of your mouth, they land, they can stay alive for, uh, you know, three days. And some people are saying that the virus can stay inside you for 37 days. So you just have to be smart about these things because it looks like um, it's much more contagious than we thought. We're not testing enough people. That's the other thing I wanted to say. And um, 
The reason why canceling events is so important, it's obvious, it's common sense. If you're in large crowds, there is a multiplier effect with being able to pass this contagion, this, this contagious uh, uh, flu from uh, person to person. And, um, you know, that's, that's the news. My take-home message, wash your hands all the time. If you, are, if you can work from home, work from home. Uh, do not visit your elderly parents or grandparents. Uh, you may be a carrier unwittingly and pass it on. Um, if, if you don't need to be in large crowds, don't do it. Work at home if possible. And the last piece of, and I'm saying do not panic, be smart. Chances are, Jamal, this is going to be around for months. Chances are we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg still in the United States. So we want our listeners to be smart about it. You can go to the CDC website. You can go to the WHO website. CDC Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which is cdc.gov. Right. And UCSF has a micro site Mm -hmm. for the up-to-date coronavirus. We would encourage our listeners to go to that. It's www.ucsf.edu slash COVID-19. So that's the up-to-date. If we have other questions from listeners. Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, And... uh, if you want to send us your question, post it on Facebook Live where we're broadcasting. We'll try to answer as many of these questions as possible. We have another question from Gretchen, and she's asking about the first effect. If do the youngest have small to nil, does it affect them the least or they don't get affected? Me, youngest, I assume we're talking about toddlers. And no, no, the youngest we don't. Like infants, neonates, uh, babies, and toddlers, we don't have enough information. I'm not comfortable saying anything yet. Mm-hmm. We want to we test these individuals to see if they're prone. But common sense medically will tell you that if your immune system is not highly developed, we don't give vaccinations to children until they're six months old, typically in the United States. So young, young infants, toddlers, babies... If, if, if they were my kids, I would not expose them. I would not take them outside. I would, I would be as careful as possible. And what about steroids stopping the cytokine surges in the dangerously ill? Some people know their stuff here. They're asking some medical questions. Uh, I, that's an easy one to answer, whether or not you think steroids would stop the progression of the disease process. It could, but because there's no data on it, I know that I don't feel comfortable saying that as a technique uh, or recommending it because we don't have the data, we don't have the double-blind studies, we don't have enough information to comfortably say to do something like that. Really, we're talking about mitigation and not treatment at this point, Jamal, which means... Well, the antiviral drugs is something, it's mostly like, will slow... I mean, is it a cure? Is it a full cure? We don't talk about cures. We okay, talk so about, it's not a cure. We talk about stopping the disease. Okay, what's, what's, then what's the progress with this? Because It looks good. It looks promising you know, so far. You're hearing these different, uh, uh, um, you know, drug companies and bio. Like if we look at uh, HIV, Jamal, we yeah. know that we can get people to... But that took years, Jess. Do we have the time? I mean, this well, is... Well, science has advanced since, since then. I mean, right. we get people to non-existent levels of HIV in their bloodstream. We, you might call it a functional cure, but we don't call it a cure in the technical sense. You can live symptom-free for the rest of your life with some of these medications and, and have no appreciable difference on your, your lifespan, which is fantastic. The data just aren't there and... You know, the one thing I do want to say about Facebook, Twitter, there's a lot of BS out there in terms of what they think uh, treatments are recommending. Do not, under any circumstance, believe crazy ideas about putting bleach in your nose, about drinking bleach. Yeah, this is when we get into this uh, misinformation. It's it's literally dangerous to people who are listening. The best thing you can do... Go to the Centers for Disease Control Prevention, CDC. You can wash your hands. Well, I know, but, but... 
people are talking about all kinds. You're right. I've been seeing all kinds of crazy. Uh, uh, people thinking that uh, if you do this, if you if, if you, you eat garlic, if you put an onion in a mask, that will prevent you from getting the virus. Right. I've I've read things, all kinds of crazy. Don't believe everything that you read and see. Now I wanna, I want to take us back. Now we talked about it. We, you alluded earlier on, you know. We, Maybe that was too much making the joke that uh, oh, it's, all of a sudden we're having now Jared Kushner joining the team who is supposed to safeguard the United, the States. United States against this uh, pandemic because now it's been declared as a global pandemic when he couldn't deliver on the uh, so-called deal of the century. Now, I, we'll talk about Jared later on, but in your opinion, what we're seeing, and I'm, I'm just judging it. It's not you. It's not me. But just how people are reacting. Every time there is a press conference and we have President Donald Trump, and usually when you have a president. They calm you down. They're supposed to calm you down. And they're supposed to bring you the latest information, the experts, and so forth. And we see more panic that is reflected in the financial market because people are worried about their jobs. They're worried about income. Uh, now, I, I don't see anything positive in any delivery well, he has Yeah, and so here's the thing. Shown us. Yeah, that's a very good point that you're making. From a scientific point of view, Jamal, what the President of the United States has said about the coronavirus has been um, a blatant on many occasions, a blatant lie, misinformed. He has not been honest with the American people of the United States. And, you know, whether or not you believe, hold on, whether or not you believe in the stock market or not, the stock market is a reflection of confidence of the general public and the confidence they have that things are going to be stable in the foreseeable future. The fact that the stock market has gone down so dramatically and the fact that you and I can go in San Francisco and go to places that are typically very busy and are empty right now is a reflection of the fact that people do not trust what is coming from the White House. They do not trust what is coming from this government. They do not trust what is being said about the coronavirus. And because people do not trust they're going to be panicking. They're going to be living in more fear. They're going to be making bad decisions. And that's why you see this meltdown, one of the reasons why you see the meltdown in the stock market. You know, if people had confidence and they believed in what the president is saying and they had belief, I mean, you said this, I'll say it again. Mike Pence doesn't even believe in science. You're going to put him ahead in charge of the coronavirus uh, uh, situation. Jared Kushner, uh, you know, uh, who is unable to deliver on basic, you know, things, uh, is going to be part of the leadership team, should put fear and anxiety into most people. I mean, you should put your confidence in people like Anthony Fauci, who's the, the head of infectious disease control at the CDC. You should be looking at the UCSF website, the Harvard website, the Berkeley website, the Stanford website. You should be going to sources that are going to give you honest information. If you go to those sources, they're going to give you a very different picture than what you're hearing from Donald Trump. Yeah, but uh, aside from this, I mean, the how... I think there is something very important because when when Donald Trump talks about it, of course, he said he handled it perfectly, just like his call uh, with the Ukrainian. Zelensky. Yeah, perfect. The call went perfect. So by him coming out a month ago or three weeks ago and saying there's nothing to worry about, it's going to go away on its own. It was a disaster. That, that too. No one, I mean, how many people, I mean, I know this is people that say the expert, this is not the time to bicker that yes, the it government. Is. Yes, but it is. But with that three weeks to four weeks time, a, it was lot, devastating. a lot happened. Well, honestly, Jim. And, and then he says, well, I was ahead of the curve because we stopped all flights from China. And now I'm ahead of the curve and I'm stopping all travel from the EU. No. But then he was not doing anything on the ground. 
we have not been, hospitals have not been receiving the test kits that you're talking about. We haven't been testing people. We haven't been taking precautionary measures until the past, I would say, 24 to 48 hours. As you know, I teach at, at San Francisco State University and I was teaching face-to-face -face this past Monday. So not Even until, though I told you not so to. So <laughs> not until this Tuesday that we received an email from the president of San Francisco State University saying, now you could start... Uh, you know, giving your lectures on online. So that is a reflection, of course, when the government, when the head of the government, the president of the United States, is telling you, don't worry about it, give it a week, two weeks, going to go away on its own. I think this is a very dangerous. And so there is a major accountability issue that he may have basically well, look at it this way, caused the death of people I think, during that period. I, I think you're making a very important point, and let me just say it this way. Every day that the Trump administration and the president were in denial, we got behind the curve a week for every day we didn't do something. The spread of this virus is so fast. It's going so quickly. We are past the stage of you know, and unfortunately, I said this last week, but the horse is out of the barn, man. And we lost four weeks when Donald Trump said, oh, there's only five people who have it. Don't worry. We should have been worrying months ago about this when we could have instituted testing. We could have instituted mitigation practices. We could have instituted all these things that would have slowed down the spread much more quickly. Right now, the fight is uh, against the coronavirus is much more difficult because we waited, we, the government waited two, three, in some cases, four weeks. And the fact that you are still teaching face-to-face -face this week. Not just me and hundreds of others. Yeah, but this is, not thousands. This is completely a horrific mistake. And yes, maybe this is not the time to cast dispersions and we need to all be on the same page. But what I'm telling people, because of the interaction, things are much worse now. And now we are facing prospects of upwards of 150 million people being affected. The governor of Washington state, before all this new information came out, said we could be 50, 60, 70, 80,000 people uh, being infected with the coronavirus in Washington, in the Seattle area. And that's even before the information we have right now. You're listening to KPOO, by the way, San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. We're broadcasting live from San Francisco and also on Facebook Live at Jamal Jajani, too. So the question is, and actually I see this in, in several people's comments, uh, that we can only rely on state and local politicians for political leadership and not the federal government, which which is sad. We cannot rely on the president of the United States. We cannot re rely on the vice president who does not believe in science. And now added to the equation, Jared Kushner. This is not a real estate transaction. I feel everything that the Trump deals with, he deals the same story dealing with the Palestine. It's a real estate transaction. Let's set Jared. Let's negotiate. Take a piece of land out of these people. Give it to these people. Give them some compensation. And that's how now they're bringing us Jared Kushner, who cannot, with all due respect, tie his own shoes to deal with a problem affecting, as you said, 150 million Americans could potentially contract yeah. the virus. Well, you know, the federal government, which has been gutted uh, in terms of its infrastructure related to infectious disease, related to the CDC, related to these emergency uh, structures that we've had in place, they've been gutted for the last four and a half years. Uh, we are, I'll tell you a bad statistic. We have 100,000 ICU intensive care beds in the United States. If this virus grows at even just an average, not even at the rate that I'm suggesting it might be growing at, but let's say substantially less than that, we are going to need an additional 100,000 beds, ICU beds, to treat the ravages of the coronavirus. We are ill-equipped from a healthcare perspective 
to handle this virus. And it is, you know, in, in a democratic society, at least the one we have, it's the job of the federal government to pull the full weight and resources of the federal government to fight this. The way Donald Trump wants to fight it, Jamal, is to give tax cuts. When I think we should be investing in science and medicine. It's, it's a very big difference, right? I would be putting the money in science and medicine. He wants to give tax cuts. Tax cuts don't give a you-know-what about the virus and who gets it. They don't care about it. So, um, you know, the fact that you have Mike Pence and Jared Kushner running the show should really frighten people. Uh, again, no reason to panic, but don't go to them for your information. You know, the way local government officials are dealing with it is, for the most part, has been much more effective than the federal government. But the power and the resources do come from the federal government, and we're still not leveraging all of those resources. I want to switch gears here, still talking about this topic and, uh, you know, uh, talking about the economy, the impact on the economy. We've been through many things here, at least recently, uh, just talking about the San Francisco Bay Area and the United States in general, but also globally. We've seen uh, a major dip uh, after 9-11 right. and the uncertainty and people not going out and spending money and so forth. That actually, at the time, I remember uh, George W. Bush was going out and saying, no, we, I want you to support your local businesses. Go out there. Don't right. worry. Uh, you know, don't let don't be terrorized, basically, by the terrorists who whose intentions are to keep you at home. And now we cannot say that because that's a whole different story, because the more you're asking, if, if, when you ask people to go out there, you're putting them at risk to be in public places. That's right. Then uh, we have, uh, I think, the, the, the hotel business, the travel business industry, the, we've seen uh, what's happening with the cruises. It's disaster. It is a disaster. And now with the travel ban that people cannot travel to Europe, they're canceling their reservations. They cannot even, you know, when they come back here. And also to, to, uh, to also compare this with another economical uh, crash, which was the dot-com bubble bursting. That's right. And the recession. What are the expectations? Because Trump keeps saying, don't worry, the economy is on solid ground. We have low unemployment. This is the strongest economy in the entire world. And the stock market will bounce. Yeah, we know historically the stock market is going to bounce back. But is it going to bounce back in three months, six months, one year, six years, ten years? Well, I'm not as confident, Jamal. I'll, I'll be very honest with you. Every time Donald Trump says, as I said before, he has this, quote, stimulus package, whether it's a you know, income tax break or uh, uh, some sort of stimulus package that he's going to provide, the market doesn't trust it. Uh, the market tanks even more. The other thing that's really bad news is that for today, for the first time, we're seeing job losses from major companies. Delta and other airlines are announcing, and this is in the so-called great economy, they're now laying off people. They're now cutting back flights. If you wanted to fly to Hawaii today, Jamal, the flights are usually six, seven, eight hundred dollars round trip. You could fly to Hawaii today for a hundred dollars. I flew yesterday, Jamal, on a flight that is usually ninety-nine percent packed. Then there was barely twenty people on this flight yesterday, and it was a short, you know, NorCal to SoCal flight. So. We are seeing the economic impact. It is devastating. There are layoffs. It's not just the market. Uh, we are officially, uh, I shouldn't say officially. It's not for me to say. Well, it is officially a bear market. However, that there are signs that we could be headed for a big recession. Now, if there is a recession, Donald Trump's Teflon coding for, for being reelected, you know, could be really challenged. Actually, I don't care about that right now. I care more about the federal government getting its act together to save lives because people are dying right now. Well, this is all connected. I mean, you know, we, can't, we cannot talk about one thing and ignore the other. 
uh, we talk about, of course, <coughs> the most important thing is staying healthy and saving lives. And Number I one. think, you know, this is what people have to do now because I don't know if Donald Trump is watch out, watching out for you. He's not. And so you cannot trust him. You may, you should trust your local officials. They should take on the leadership role to fill that gap. Yes. You know, instead of waiting to see what he's going to say or do. And then we are also talking about people's livelihoods because small businesses depend on, you know, the restaurant business or the hotel business, the travel business. They depend on the consumers who are now where part of the advice is like, don't go out, don't uh, be in public places. The NBA, okay, the NBA is losing millions of money, but all the businesses, I can, you know, we have this m big arena that the city invested in and Chase. Right, a billion the Chase dollars. Center, right there, they have a lot of businesses around it who are dependent on the people who go for there, whether for the NBA, an NBA game or whether for a concert, they go out to the restaurants and, and, and bars after the event and before the event. It's a ghost town. No, you're right, Jamal. This so, is devastating. And then... Last but not least, after we talk about this, we're also, people are looking for a leadership. We are in the middle of um, the primary, you know, season. Uh, few, uh, comes November, Donald Trump's strongest asset, or at least he has been waving. Look at us. Look at your 401ks, your retirement accounts. Well, guess what? Today... People can be assured they are seeing their net worth being decreased by at least 20 to 25 percent. If not more. If not more. Right. So he doesn't have that in his bag. And I don't know if he's going to be able to recoup, even if, if the coronavirus disappears next week. The it's, impact is already there. Yeah, so the impact is big. Several months. At least. So now it's a whole uh, game changer. I think you're exactly right, Jamal. And I think despite the, the, despite the fact that the Democrats are shooting themselves in the foot multiple times, yet again, are doing a redux of 2016 and, you know, kind of putting together this, this flawed strategy and flawed you know, candidate in Joe Biden, you know, for people to say, and this is really when they did the polling and they did, they asked people, you know, how you feel about Biden versus uh, Bernie, people would say, I believe in what Bernie says. I want the kind of society that Bernie wants, but I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because I think he's better able to beat Donald Trump. That's, that's the thinking of the electorate right now. And, uh, you know, we're headed for, because of the coronavirus, because of the economic devastation that everyday Americans are feeling right now, and the elections coming up, the next six months, Jamal, I'm, I'm very concerned. I have to tell you that whatever predictions I've made in the past, I'm throwing them out the window right now. Well, well, well I mean, because your prediction was... Donald Trump, let me repeat that, yes. is going to win no matter what. Right. So you're throwing that prediction out of the window. I think it really, you know... Or you're putting it un under a question mark. It's a big question mark right now. But the problem I have is that rather than fielding the best possible candidate, people are so fearful. People are panicking politically. People are not just panicking financially, Jamal. People are not just panicking socially. They're panicking politically, and they're latching on to a, a candidate like Joe Biden who, you know, you know, from just talking to people, they say, no, we don't think he's such a great candidate, but we feel like we have to vote for him because he's, quote, the only one that so can So do you think these people who are uh, being kind of uh, changing their minds or basically waffling here and there is uh, having Medicare for, for all a radical idea when we have something that might affect 150 million people and then we'll find out that half of them don't even have health insurance. Health insurance? Well, is I just that, want... Is I that want to, I want radical? 
Yeah, and I want to remind our listeners that uh, um, one of the proposals that Donald Trump and the Republicans have on the table right now is to cut people off food stamps at the beginning of next month. So starting April 1st, they want to change all these uh, social safety nets that we have in the United States. And if the economic implications of the coronavirus continue to play out, people are going to be in even worse economic situation than they are now. There's going to be hundreds of thousands of people under the Trump administration who are going to lose food stamps because of the change in the policies that they're implemented. They asked one of the Trump uh, appointee, one of the Trump uh, members of his cabinet or his administration, are you sure you want to kick people off of food stamps with, you know, all this stuff happening with the economy and, and, and the coronavirus? And the guy said, sure, why not? As if, like, he had no idea about the impact that this is having on people's lives every day. It's really, it's really beyond belief that people are not, like, waking up to how serious this crisis is. So let's get to some good news, okay? Okay. Uh, we have, I'm waiting for it. No, no. Let's, let's at least talk about certain things. Now, more and more people are aware of the severity That's good. of the issue. That's good. Uh, I've been uh, watching a lot of health officials, experts on TV, talking about the basics. Wash your hands as frequently as possible. Don't come into contact with people. Avoid going into major public places. Uh, if you're sick, stay at home. All of these are good things. Uh, I'm sure drug companies are working very hard trying to find antiviral uh, medication. And the only thing that really worries me in this whole equation is that one month gap of doing nothing. You're right. That are we with everything now, people are going on full force trying to get ready, getting the health officials involved, the CDC involved, and yet, are we equipped? I mean, we're you're not. here in we're one of equipped. the largest medical centers in the United States and in the world, and a city like San Francisco, which is 800,000 people, and if we basically... Okay, I found this on the... If we basically hit a... Uh, Ten percent. Oh, we're not equipped. Infection. We're not equipped. Level. We're not equipped. How is the how is how how is the hospital going to handle that? No, we we have we have a couple of maybe in the Greater Bay Area we have a couple of hundred ICU beds, maybe a couple of hundred max. We have maybe uh, fifty or sixty reverse pressure rooms for people who are actively. Uh, contagious. Uh, we have 600 people right now at uh, the Air Force Base in Fairfield uh, who are being quarantined right now. The quarantine capacity up at the uh, Air Base in Fairfield is already maxed out. This is just the first couple of days, Jamal. And all of the quarantine facilities that the military has opened up are full. That's as of today. So I don't know I don't believe that we're equipped that month. I don't believe we are equipped right now. Even if we had that month, we would be much better off. But we're still struggling with resources to handle this kind of contagion, to be honest. Do you think the, uh, for example, the ban on travel from Europe is going to help? No, uh, Or is no. it a knee-jerk reaction? Are we better off working, for example, with the EU, uh, uh, changing, exchanging expertise? It's much better to work cooperatively. The idea somehow that banning travel is going to have a significant impact in a positive way, I don't believe is going to happen. To mobilize the global community to work cooperatively the United States, Canada, Central and South America, the EU, Africa, Asia, Southeast Asia, if we worked globally on this with the help of the WHO, that would be far better than for our government to say, oh, it's a Chinese problem. Oh, we're going to well, ban people coming from Europe. It's a ridiculous message without much of an impact 
when we could be doing so much what more. What about the news that China is kind of uh, starting to have a handle on I don't know the if situation, I can believe it. that the number of deaths are getting uh, lower? I don't know if I can believe it. And But if, let's say, assuming that, I mean... If, if it's true, it's good. If it's true, what, how will this help us? Because they went through, let's say, they've peaked, right? And we, haven't, we haven't even peaked here. Well, the difference, Jamal, if it's true, that means the peak has been reached in China. But as I said earlier in the show, they locked down entire cities. It's not a light quarantine like they're doing in New Rochelle, New York, where people can still walk out. They told millions of people to stay inside their homes and not leave. I mean, they locked down entire major metropolitan areas. They banned travel. They, they took extreme effort, and it may or may not have worked. If it worked, that's great. But are Americans really ready to be put under that kind of extreme measure. Are they going to obey the instructions? That's a really good question. One last question before we go, uh, which is uh, weather related. And because we started talking, people compare and contrast the coronavirus with the flu, saying, well, you know, now with the warmer weather, we'll We'll, we'll see the cases uh, just, uh, That's just not true. dropping on their own. No, I want to say two things quickly. There's no evidence that the coronavirus is seasonal. Seasonal flus come and go. They wax and wane with different seasons. That's true. There's no evidence that the coronavirus is seasonal. Now, where weather does come in handy, there's evidence to suggest that the climate change that we've been seeing globally for the last decade or so may, in fact, have contributed to this mass contagion. That's for another show. Thank you for listening today on Arab Talk. We really appreciate our listeners, as always. We really appreciate the questions, Jamal. You could send us comments, you know, to Arab Talk Radio at KP, Arab Talk at KPOO.com. We, our website is ArabTalkRadio.com, Facebook Live. And we will talk to you next week. We'll see you next week.